Thank you, Carol. Kate McCord has written a fascinating narrative about her time in Afghanistan. It was called Behind the Blue Burqa. And it's a story, actually, it's story after sad story of the oppression of women in, in that culture. Islam has a well-deserved shameful reputation for its mistreatment of women. But to my knowledge, we don't have any followers of Islam in the house today. What we do have is people who identify themselves as followers of, of Jesus Christ. And reading a few books does, and listening to a few news reports doesn't make me an expert on Islam or the Arab world. But this I can say with authority. Followers of Jesus should honor women. They should treat women with special dignity. And I want to talk about that today. One of the things we say in our church is we want to follow Jesus and help others follow Jesus. And this is a very specific way to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, because followers of Jesus should treat women with special honor and dignity. So I have set aside our, tra- our trip through Revelation. I got up early this morning and had a sense that I should change course today. And so I trust that I'm following the Lord and pleasing Him. I know that what I say certainly does. This morning, I'd like you to consider three reasons why followers of Jesus should honor women. Number one, because followers of Jesus should treat women with special dignity because they are human. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I didn't need to come to church this morning to have you tell me that women were human. But the things that are true about human beings in the Bible are true about female human beings. And we should think about that. Let's consider what it means to be human for a minute. Carol just read to us Psalm 8, this beautiful Psalm of David. And it is a powerful statement about humanity, about men and about women. It says a couple of things that are significant. Of course, it's about the glory of God. But it's about the glory of God in creating human beings and, and, and endowing human beings with dignity, with majesty, if you will, because they're created by God, male and female. He created them. Men and women are made in the image of God. And the question in, in uh, Psalm 8 is what is man or what is humankind, if you will, that, that you have noticed him? And the answer is, well, you have made them, him, her, a little lower than the angels. The, the word in the original is Elohim. It's often a word used for God. Uh, and so it's a significant statement about, about the uh, dignity of human beings, and women are included in the dignity of human beings. And then another statement in Psalm 8, along with that statement about the dignity that women have, is that they are co-regents with men over the creation, according to the Bible. So you have here in, in Psalm 8, you have given him, verse 6, dominion over the works of your hands. And this is a clear reference to Genesis in chapter 1. When Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which by the way, takes men and women, doesn't it? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. You see the language is the same there in Psalm 8 and in, in Genesis 1. And it says, in, um, uh, take dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. In other words, the Bible teaches here in 
Genesis 1 and Psalm 8, and, and it's carried out throughout the scripture, that women have a special dignity they have because they're human beings, and human beings are given dominion over the earth, and men and women are co-regents, co-rulers under God over the earth. Men and women conspire together, if you will, to do that. And so men and women are made in the very image of God. And men and women are more valuable than animals, Jesus said, in, in, in Matthew 10 and in other places. In the famous teaching of Jesus, Jesus frequently talked about the, the, the regard that God has for the animal world and the fact that men and women are more important than animals. Men and women are greater than the Sabbath, Jesus says. You remember when Jesus was saying, the Sabbath is made for man and not man for the Sabbath, it included women. Jesus also taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we should not have contempt for other human beings in any way. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that he would judge those who show contempt for other human beings. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount made it clear that we're not to treat others with contempt. You remember that? He said, if you call a person, you fool. You're in danger of what? Hell. So Jesus freighted sins against people, contempt against people with a heavy penalty. It's enough of a sin to go to hell. And women are human. And therefore, women should be included in this. We should never speak contemptuously to a female, to a woman, because a woman is a human. In Christ, women are equal before God. Gen uh, Galatians 3 Paul was making this point in Galatians 3, 26 through 28. For in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is therefore neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's an equal value, an equal spiritual value before God of all men and women. So let's review. She's an equal heir to all that is ours in Christ. A woman is of much more value than animals in the animal kingdom. A woman is for the one for whom the Sabbath is made in the same way a man. Men and women are greater than the Sabbath. And, and then again from Psalm 8, Genesis 1, and, and the teaching of the Bible, she shares dominion with God. She, he's the supreme ruler and he enlists her to aid him in the dominion or in the subduing of the earth to himself. The trajectory to which all of, human, all of humanity is moving is by God's sovereign will. And he uses women in that. And he's very clear about that. So question that we ought to ask ourselves, especially on a day like this, when in America we set aside a day to honor our mothers, as the, as the scriptures command us, do we see women the way Jesus sees women. And maybe a better question for men and women is the women in your life, do you see them the way Jesus sees them? A woman, for instance, is not your personal servant. In the Bible, there is that, that uh, phrase, she's a help meet. And the women in my life have served me selflessly and, and worked hard to meet personal needs. But the Bible doesn't teach that a woman is our personal servant, help me, does not mean that at all. But it means that women are given to us, gifted, the, the world is gifted with women to help men in the responsibilities that they have. For instance, a man is given the full responsibility for everything. 
Probably an earthy example would be on the rare occasion in which I did dishes when the kids were growing up. I remember one time standing at the sink and thinking to myself, why am I doing this? I know you don't want to listen to me anymore after I tell you this. Why, why am I doing this? It's kind of like it's not my job. And then in my conscience, I sensed there was something wrong with that kind of thinking. You're going, wow, congratulations, you figured that out. <laughs> I was thinking that. And then I, I was just thinking, why is, why is it that doesn't set right with my own conscience? And, it, and the reason that came to me is because all the dishes are my job, and all the clothing is my job, and all the household maintenance is my job, and all the, all the work is my, because God says, I'm, when I look at that household, I look at you, you're the leader, you're responsible, and then I say to God, oh no, God, I'm going to need some help. And he says, I have you covered. You have a helper. You, you don't res- expect her to do everything. You take responsibility for everything, and thank God you have a helper. So the woman is a gift to a man to help him, according to the Bible, in that way. In other words, I need accountability. So I've been given a helper to hold me accountable. I have decisions to make. I'm given a helper to help me make decisions. I have to provide for the children and care for them. But she's equipped to nurture and to nurse and to care for them. What a valuable helper. How could I ever do that without her help? A woman is not a toy for the exercise of our sexual desire. My wife and my daughters work out among men in the world, men who do not follow Jesus. And they often say that they know immediately when a man is being kind and sincere or when he's being inappropriately flirtatious. An honorable man, they say, is the exception May all Christian men be exceptional in this way. Sometimes as a pastor, I hear reports of Christian men who make women feel uncomfortable because they're treating them inappropriately like sexual objects. God forbid. Christian men should all be exceptional in this way. Women know when they're being treated as sex objects. The Bible says that we're heirs together of the grace of life. And so a man diminishes or he destroys his witness, his confidence that a woman or a young woman or an older woman would have in him when he sends mixed signals to women. If you say that you're a follower of Jesus, men, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, go privately before the Lord. Confess any sin to God when you're guilty of this and ask God to help you faithfully live with with uh, unimpeachable purity for the rest of your life. There is a decline of civility in our world, in our nation in particular, and the decline in the dignity of women is behind much of that tragic decline in our culture. When When the dignity of women declines, then the whole culture is in a moral freefall and is suffering from God's judgment. If you don't believe me, read Romans 1 carefully, and you will see that. Very plainly, when cultures resist or reject God, there's always a decline in the dignity and in the safety to women. If, for instance, like the one-child policy in China, you read about that, it leans against the very existence of women, but that's just one reason that we 
should show dignity because we should show dignity to women, special dignity to women, because women are human beings. And as human beings, we have a special responsibility, opportunity to show special dignity. Followers of Jesus should show special dignity to all human beings, including female, maybe even especially female human beings. Here's a second reason. Followers of Jesus should treat women with a special dignity because women are gifted by God and they have much to offer. And the Bible teaches that all believers have spiritual gifts. Human beings are gifted. Sometimes God will tell a woman something before she tells the men in her life. And and, and probably the reason for that is so that we'll learn to respect and honor them, just as sometimes God will speak through the weakest people in the culture or through the people that aren't normally treated with high regard in order that we will show dignity to them. And if we're tempted to disregard the opinions of women, if we're tempted to disregard the insights or the gifts of women, sometimes God will give women insights and will not give them to us first so that we will learn to pay attention to them. And that is, you know, sometimes in the Bible, a man is judged because he listened to his wife. Other times he's judged because he didn't listen to his wife. So it would be a good idea always to listen to the women in your life and to weigh what they have to say against the scriptures. I have a friend, he is a millionaire. His name is Greg Van Boxel. I have permission to tell the story about him. He, worked, he and his wife worked on the floor of a uh, factory making parts for airplanes. They were hired in to sweep the floors uh, and they had nothing. They lived in a, in, a, in a very modest mobile home. And he always wanted to uh, have a, a business of his own. He wanted to, he said he always wanted to have a, a gas station. And so he would say to his wife, I want to have a gas station. And then she would say to him, you shouldn't do that. And he would be really frustrated. A few months later, he would bring it up again. I really would like to own a filling station. She says, what do you know about cars? You don't know anything about cars. You shouldn't own a filling station. He says, I've always had a dream of that. But his wife didn't share that dream, and on he would work. One day he had an idea at work, and he came home with the idea. And he told his wife uh, about the idea. And she said, you ought to go back to the company, and you ought to tell them about that idea. He told the people in the company about his idea. They said, we don't want to do that, but you can do that if you want to. And he was disappointed because he thought, if I do it, it's going to cost I, I, it would take $10,000 for the startup of this, and I don't have $10,000. So he went home to his wife, and he said, at the company today, I told them about my idea. And they said, you can do that if you want to, and if it doesn't work out, you can come back and work for us. He says, but I'm really disappointed because I can't do it. She said, why not? And he says, because it takes $10,000, and we don't have $10,000. And she said, well, we do have $10,000. He says, what do you mean? She says, well, you know, you always have wanted to start a business of your own, and so I've always set aside money, and we could cash in our retirement, we could put all of our money together, and we could start that business. He said, that'd be quite a gamble. She said, I believe in you, and that's a good idea. He started the business. I, I, I met him because he bought the Gerber mansion in, in Fremont, uh, Michigan, and he's a millionaire. I called him on the phone to confirm the details of this before I use the story again. He said over and over again, he and Lori will, con- will, will talk together about business ideas. And when he's tempted to do a business idea that she doesn't agree with, it usually doesn't work out very well. And when he has her uh, agreement, 
she, Lori's gifted. God wanted Greg to listen uh, to Lori. And I don't know if it will make you a millionaire, but if it does, please tithe. Um, because you heard it here first, right? So I gave you that little tip. Ladies uh, should be treated with special dignity because God gave ladies a contribution to make. Third thing, followers of Jesus should treat women with special dignity because Jesus, against the strong tide of culture, treated women with special dignity. Jesus treated women with dignity more than the people in his culture did. Jesus' treatment of women was revolutionary in the first century. Some of Jesus' most loyal and sacrificial disciples were women. You can read about them in Luke. As a matter of fact, we have a moment here. In Luke, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8 about some of the women in life of Jesus. This is in Luke uh, chapter 8 and the first three uh, verses uh, here of Luke 8. So soon afterward, uh, Jesus, he went um, through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chaza, Harold's household manager. And Susanna, and many others, who provided for, in the original Greek, it probably says him, out of their means. Jesus had competent women on his team who provided for him. That's interesting, isn't it? Some of Jesus' most loyal, sacrificial disciples were women. And it, it's interesting if you, if you read that, they supported him, they followed him, they learned from him, they taught others of him. Notice they had control of their own finances. This is critical to the dignity of any human being. They need to have a sense of personal security. They need to have reasonable safety. They need to have reasonable security. They need to have reasonable mobility. Jesus went against the male bias of the divorce laws in his day to see to it that women would have material provision if they were set aside in a divorce. He cared about those who were oppressed. He cared about those who were weak. He cared about, the, cared about those who were vulnerable. Gentlemen, this is the Jesus that all of us answer to. And so we should think soberly about that about all the women in our lives, and particularly the women in our lives. I, I heard once about a woman whose husband, who, who was an alcoholic, and he would regularly ground her from having the car, or he would doctor the car so that it wouldn't run. So she had to take care of her whole household, had to somehow supply, had to work, had to get groceries for them, and he would sometimes take her car away from her. That's not treating a woman with dignity. Once I heard a story of a woman who was told not to see her family while her husband was away in the military. Since, but because of the ongoing influence of Jesus in his life, he came to see how sinful that, that was. He repented of that and told me the story weeping that he had restricted his wife's movement while he was out of the country. This isn't treating a woman with dignity. Jesus chose to reveal himself first to women after the resurrection. They were the first witnesses. They were the first heralds, the first Caruso heralds of the resurrection were women. That was not a mistake on Jesus' part. Dorothy Sayers said, perhaps it's no wonder that the women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. 
They had never known a man like this man. There never has been such another. A prophet and a teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized them, never made demeaning jokes about them, rebuked without anger and praised without condescension, who took their questions and their arguments seriously. This Dorothy Sayers wrote in her book, Are Women Human? He taught alongside women. In the New Testament church of Jesus Christ, women were encouraged to learn alongside men. This was revolutionary in his day. In huge parts of the world, there had been recent and terrible attacks on people who simply wanted their daughters to go to school. And this is because it was the practice of Jesus to teach women and to, and to include women among his disciples. Luke 10, 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This was revolutionary. Rabbis didn't do this in Jesus' time. But Jesus did this. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. You ever heard a man make a joke about women belonging in the kitchen making me pie and such? Right? It's like, as much as I appreciate pie, uh, Jesus didn't say that here. Tell her to help me then, she said. But the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and this should not be taken away from her. Jesus honored his mother right up with his last dying breath on the cross. In John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27, he made provision for his mother in her old age. In John chapter 8, you remember the beautiful story? He was gentle and merciful to women even when they were disregarded by others or when they were filled with remorse or shame or they'd been shameful, guilty. We just talked about a demon-possessed woman. Now we're talking about a woman that was taken in adultery. Jesus treated demon-possessed women with honor and dignity. He treated immoral women with honor and dignity. He took time to reveal things to women first who others didn't value, women who were considered half-breeds and immoral, like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Who doesn't love the beauty of the story that Jesus told about the woman at the well, the half-breed woman at the well, the immoral woman at the well. He empowered this woman, a new convert, to be so effective in evangelism. It says that she went back, and many in the city believed because of her witness. This woman of Sychar, he revealed to her, the woman at Sychar, he revealed to her that he was Messiah. On another occasion, Jesus healed a woman on the Sabbath, and against bitter objections of the, the religious Gestapo of his day, he defended her with a shocking and wonderful title that, he, he would, that would not have been lost on her and would not have been lost on all those who listened to him that day. He called her a daughter of Abraham. No one had ever called any woman a daughter of Abraham before. A son of Abraham, that would people wear, wear that proudly. But he coined the phrase a daughter of Abraham. It would have been a shock to their sensibilities. So I have a sensitive question for you and for me today, and that is, have you ever mistreated women? Do you mistreat women? Do you disregard women? Do you dishonor women? Is Jesus pleased with the way you treat the women in your life? Men and women alike, is Jesus pleased with the way you treat the women in your life? This is a question every man 
Everyone who is a follower of Jesus should ask himself and herself, is Jesus pleased with the way I'm treating his daughter, his created one? If you have mistreated the women that God placed in your life, you should repent today to God. You should repent to them. You should repent to everybody else who's ever saw or heard that. There should be a great deal of repentance if we're truly genuine about following Jesus. And then the question is, will you be honest and will you be humble enough to admit there are times that you haven't shown honor like you should have shown honor? Are you bold enough to ask the women in your life how they feel about that? Is there anything I need to make right? Is there anything I need to seek forgiveness for? Have your sons or daughters seen you treat your wife or other women with contempt? Do you treat women the way Jesus treated women? It's just a good question to ask on this day in which we wish to follow Jesus by honoring women. Can I suggest some ways to honor women? And I sense in the room uh, kind of a heaviness, I suppose, because it's heavy on my heart. I, I think of the women in my life and I feel like I answer to the Lord and I want to be a genuine follower of Jesus that shows honor to women and it's a job that we have never completely fulfilled, right? So here are some suggestions, ways to honor women. One would be with kind, respectful speech, how you talk to her and how you talk about her shows honor or contempt. Who you talk to about her and the way that you talk about her or about women, not speaking ill of her to others is a way to show honor. Another way to show honor is to talk about her in a positive way. My mother used to say, your mother probably said it too, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Talking, it's showing deep respectful listening. Some people especially feel honored by deep respectful listening. Sometimes people just need you to repeat what they said in a respectful way. Some women would be especially feel honored with money or material gifts or acts of service. To some women, a, a gift, even a small gift, is just a very meaningful way to show honor. It doesn't necessarily mean she's materialistic. Sometimes she just needs a gift. I read an interesting poem. Uh, I'll share it with you. Maybe it will lighten the mood just a bit. I didn't mean for my message to seem so heavy. Um, the Lanyard, Billy Collins. The other day I was ricocheting slowly off the blue walls of this room, have moving as if underwater from typewriter to piano, from bookshelf to envelope lying on the floor, when I found myself in the L section of the dictionary where my eyes fell on the word lanyard. No cookie nibbled by a French novelist could send one into more the past more suddenly, a past where I sat at a workbench at a camp by a deep Adirondack lake learning how to braid long, thin plastic strips into a lanyard, a gift for my mother. I had never seen anyone use a lanyard or wear one, if that's what you did with them, but that did not keep me from crossing strand over strand again and again until I 
had made a boxy red and white lanyard for my mother. She gave me life and milk from her breast. I gave her a lanyard. She nursed me in many a sick room, lifted spoons of medicine to my lips, laid cold face cloths on my forehead, and then led me out into the airy light and taught me to walk and swim. And I, in turn, presented her <laughs> with a lanyard. Here are thousands of meals, she said. And here is clothing and a good education. And here's your lanyard, I replied, which I made with a little help from my counselor. Here's a breathing body and a beating heart, strong legs, bones, and teeth, and two clear eyes to read the world, she whispered. And here, I said, is a lanyard I made at camp. And here, I wish to say her now, is a smaller gift, not the worn truth that you can never repay your mother, but the rueful admission that when she took the two-tone lanyard from my hand, I was sure as a boy could be that this useless, worthless thing I wove out of boredom would be enough to make us even. Most of the ladies in America will get the equivalent of a lanyard today for all that they have done. One of the ways to honor women is to give them gifts or to be quick to forgive because, you know, women, even though we honor them and they're human, they're not perfect. And so they're going to disappoint us sometimes, hurt us, but we could give them, show them honor by forgiving them or show interest in their projects, or show honor to their family, or protect them, or drive with special care while she's a passenger. I was driving along one day, and a person made an obscene gesture at me. I'm like, what's that all about? Lois said to me, it seems like every time, this was years ago before I reformed, she says to me, it seems like every time we go out, people make obscene gestures at you. She says, I drive around all day, nobody ever does that to me. Why? I, I was rebuked. I had to drive with more care so people, impatient people, aren't irritated with me and tempted to do profane things. And so every time I drove with Lois, I drove really carefully. And no one made an obscene gesture at me for months and months and months. Until one day, somebody did. And I looked over at Lois, and I, I said, I, I'm sorry. And she said, that one was not your fault. <laughs> I'll have you know that no one has made an obscene gesture at me in traffic in, in many years. And so you can teach an old dog new tricks. But one of the ways to show honor to women is you drive real careful when they're in the car. You show that they're important to you. Or by lifelong faithfulness public and private, or by giving her your attention this afternoon. If you drive by a cemetery today, you will notice that many people will be giving honor to their mothers in their death. If your mother is alive, you have the privilege of showing her honor today. So that would be a good thing. My dad and I were talking once, and he he um, gave me permission to tell you this. Very sensitive, it's very important, it's true. In 1975, my parents had a marriage revival. I speak of this from time to time because it was so significant to me. It, it, was, it was an amazing thing. It goes on to this day. My mother went away for a week to, to Moody to a choral conducting conference. My dad had a had a experience with God 
while she was gone, and he was convicted about treating my mom better than before. And I remember we went around that week buying my mother gifts. And when my mom got home, it was like there was a refreshment in their relationship. And it was real, and it continues to this day. My mom and my dad would both testify to that. The Bible says, when a man believes in me, out of his inner, innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Life flows out of a man who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that life touches the women in his life. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I'm sure you've heard it about human beings. But think about a female human being as I read this. He said, is it a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another. All friendships, loves, play, politics. There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, and civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat, but it is immortal souls we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And his message, the weight of glory, that's what he said. It would be good for us to think about the women, the wives, the moms, the little girls, the daughters, the sisters in our lives, the women of the church in this way. I was volunteering in a Christian ministry and I was working in the kitchen with the young people that came from the training center that I was the director of. And the chef treated me disrespectfully. He's become a friend, but he treated me disrespectfully. Later on, he came to me and he apologized. And he said, I had no idea who you were. I didn't know you were the director. I'm sorry. Someday... When we stand before the Lord, we don't want to say about the women in our life, I had no idea who you were. God help us as followers of Jesus to show special honor to women. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Every once in a while, we should take the time for an old-fashioned invitation. And... I wonder if I could appeal to you, men and women alike, but maybe especially men. Has God convicted you at all of any guilt in this, in not showing the proper honor to, to the women in your life? And would you be courageous and honest and humble and willing to obey God and follow Jesus by saying, I will seek forgiveness and I will ask for God's help to walk in this way to show honor to women. If gentlemen, directly speaking directly to you, those of you who are hearing my voice now, men, if it is your heart's desire to honor women like Jesus honored women, can I ask you to lift up your hand as a testimony to that right now, high and boldly. I wanna honor women 
the way Jesus honored women. Put your hand back down. Let me pray for you right now, and we'll be dismissed. And ladies, make sure you get your little gift. It's a tiny gesture. It's a bit of a lanyard from the church. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which when everything else in the world confuses us is plain and clear. It just rings with clarity and with authority. Thank you for your word. Your word that teaches us of Jesus who we admire and wish to be like. Help us, I pray, to show honor to the women in our lives in a way that would please you. Even as you came into this world and you spent your life and you laid it down and you shed your blood and you died and rose again so that unworthy sinners, men and women alike, could believe and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.